Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 7, titled Sing Me a Song. Aaron, can you sing me Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? I could. While I make you cry because I've insulted your eyes. <laughs> and the memory of your mother, which in Lori's case isn't possible. No, no, you've got it. He definitely remembers that. Yeah, I wish he'd asked me about his mother. I could have told him a lot of stories uh-huh. about, about terrible pancakes, about... Uh, mostly terrible pancakes. Car crashes. Uh, car crashes. Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was mostly fine to good. Yeah, I was in a weird... I don't know why, but it, it was hard for me to engage with the episode last night. Um, I think this was a hard episode to do our t- typical live watch through, um, which led to me missing a lot of stuff. But I think that when mm-hmm. I this is like the first time that I can remember that I actually liked an episode more the second time I watched it. Oh, okay. There's still one or two. I, first of all, they're juggling six plot lines yeah. um, fairly well, mm-hmm. uh, which what helps which helps carry some of the other stuff because there's a couple of them that I thought were dumb and poorly executed. But what the hell? There was a couple, you know, three or four that were pretty good. So yeah, uh, I thought it was a step in the right direction. Certainly a lot better than the terrible episode of last season. But um, man, it's the other thing is it seems like when they have these hour episodes, is it destroys the pacing? Hour and a half. Yeah, I. Well, I'm just I, saying hour of actual content. Oh, okay. When, when I when I stripped all the commercial, when I got my version stripped of commercials, it was about 58 minutes, I think. Yeah. But something like that, and I don't know. It seems like that's about you know you got a forty-two minute episode in sixty minutes. You got a night sixty-minute episode in a hundred right ninety minutes. That seems like the same ratio, but something about it just feels off. Like there was at one point where there's so many fucking commercials, all the all the narrative flow got lost. Right, um, and maybe that's one of the reasons I liked it better on rewatch too. I was able mm-hmm. to skip all that stuff, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to expect from next episode. Honestly, it's in a weird. I, I I'm kind of braced myself for a disappointing finale because it's in a weird spot as far as plot wise that they can't really. I I don't know. It's hard for me to see even with the ninety minute another ninety minute episode how they're going to really put an exclamation point on this and, and make it not feel like it's just hitting pause. Yeah, I mean they could do some stuff with the kids. Um, that the either endangering them or or actually like taking one of them or something. Maybe uh, endangerment. Really, we're going. We're, yeah. you're you're advocating going down that well again. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be where they're setting up, right? Though. Mm, yeah, I mean, for sure. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to be terrible, but that's what they're kind of setting up. It, it seems to be that he's going to either endanger one of them or threaten one of them in some way. Um, right on. I don't know. It, there were there were a couple like you said there were a couple of storylines here that I think I, I wasn't expecting the ninety minute episode mm-hmm. and when it happened I kind of didn't want it to mm-hmm. uh, but I and I was looking in the second watch for things that I would have cut like things that maybe deserved more time in their own episode like maybe the Rick and Aaron stuff I thought was you know it, it could have been interesting if they continued it but. Now we've got like this weird three hour finale thing where mm. everything is kind of 
kind of dependent on the previous episode too, um, which I feel like maybe they could have taken parts out of it and had, you know, instead of six storylines, have three and service uh, an entire plot for one of those at least. I agree. It's weird. Because we got like a half plot for Aaron and Rick. Yeah, it's like like in Star Trek Next Generation, let's say that Rick and Aaron are on an away team mission. Yeah. Very rare that those, you know, B-plot away team missions would run two episodes. Yeah. So it's it's, it's weird. It's like they're doing this interesting run. I'm totally sold on it. Like, I I wish we got more of this, like, post-apocalyptic, you know, country-living type of, you know houseboat in a moat with a bunch of zombies like that shit's cool i wish i I wish we could have finished it yeah yeah um but i guess we'll have to wait till next week yeah but Uh, also i think they've got this tension of wanting to set up this story that essentially everybody in rick's camp wants to take out negan except for rick right and they're all working in secret to do so Mm -hmm. some with more hesitance and trepidation than others but they're all kind of on the same page about doing just that oh yeah a real quick housekeeping note before we get into the podcast proper. Uh, we just updated our club software, made a lot of improvements to the system, but one of the drawbacks is uh, we could not automatically renew everyone in the club on this new software. So if you want to remain a club member, you have to essentially re-opt into the club uh, to maintain your features. And Jim is here to tell you how to do that. Up at the top of the website, we have a link for Club BM, which is Club Bald Move. All you got to do is click on that and then go to Upgrade Subscription, and it should automatically send you over to the new form to to uh, upgrade. Make sure you're logged in when you try that. Right. So get right to the recap then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so Michonne finds the mattresses, which may no longer be on fire, but she's still smoldering about it. She's also biting hard on Omar Little's bit. Um if you do, if you're not a Wire fan, first of all, shame on you. Go watch The Wire. But uh, one of the most popular characters in Wire history, his deal was when he would go hunting, he would uh, sing uh, "Whistle Hi Ho the Dario" or "Hunting We Will Go" or whatever version of that song you like the best. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much of this whistling is a montage to Omar, and Gotta how much be. of it is just in world like paralleling with Negan. Well, because we see Negan whistling quite right. often as well. So. Right. And it also serves a purpose of just luring the zombies out. Like, she's wanting this to happen. Uh Um, And it's unclear at this stage what she's doing, but she kills two zombies that try to jump her, drags one up by the road, or up the road by his feet, whistling all the while. They also do a very weird zoom in on the radio and sword that are still sitting in, which I don't know ever pays off. Um, Maybe? I I mean, they're... Zooming in on the radio, maybe she's keeping track of the saviors a little bit with this radio. But here's the thing. Not the sure. very next scene is Rick and Aaron waking up in the back of the U-Haul box truck. Right. And they start with Rick. You know, He wakes up and looks at his radio that's tucked in his little pack as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of, like, was there – is there something here I'm missing about them checking in or or, or what? I, I, I'm not – there's something significant here that, that whizzed past me and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to shout out the spectacular through-the-ears kill Michonne does on one of those zombies. Like, you know, Katana yeah. goes in one ear and out the other. I, I guess zombie kill of the week. It's not super flashy, but yeah, I always neat. like it when they cut the top of the head of the zombie off, and you can still see like the lower skull and everything. That's pretty yeah. sweet. But I've seen that like half a dozen times now. The through right. the ears stab is pretty pretty spectacular. Yep. Uh, anyway, Aaron and Rick wake up in a back box truck. Uh, they open the door. I I still it bothered me the second time that they still 
why don't you just poke like a hole through that truck so you can kind of like in, in all four cardinal directions on each side so you can see what you're up against. That seems like a pretty big liability. Like you just open it up and you're in the middle of a fucking herd. <laughs> right. Like maybe just take the day off in that case. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Is it better or worse than a truck with plastic flaps on the back <laughs> instead of a door? Um, it's probably better. Okay. <laughs> Having <laughs> a hard shell between yeah. you and zombies is always a good thing. Uh-huh. Uh, they say, I didn't see, we didn't see that last night and see what they're going to make us wait. Right. Um, I thought that's dumb. They should have led with the whole, you know, come and get, come and get me kind of sign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it's like a weird false fault. It does sometimes feel like, cause it's like last episode, I was ready to throw my hands up there and chalk it up all in the executives, but they still seem like have a fundamental problem with what builds tension and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. This doesn't build tension. It's just dumb. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do think it makes more sense that Rick is out there going on missions now. Cause oh, in yeah. the past we've always been like, Rick, you're the leader. You need to stay behind. You need Desperation to leave from, now. from the back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now Rick's not the leader anymore. Right. I mean, he's turned the keys over to Negan. He's so, middle management. Yeah. Go go out on the raids. That's fine, and yeah. you're and you're still a badass. So yeah. you're good at raiding. Do it right. And also, I think that it's it's also desperation. They're a day away from the saviors. Sure. Uh, I, I imagine they were expecting that Heath and Tara would come back with something, mm-hmm. and the fact that she didn't come up with any. I mean, god damn, that's the other thing. Like her bopping up to the Alec, gates of Alexander. I keep thinking about last episode and how bad it was. Mm-hmm. That's another like just betrayal of character. Like you were out for two fucking weeks. To try to find supplies that the group desperately needs, even before you knew about Negan, and mm-hmm. you found nothing, lost a vehicle and a person, and you're coming up with fucking novelty sunglasses on? Way to read a fucking room. Yeah. Anyway. Big old smile. Uh, so we then cut the two sa- saviors keeping an eye on the herd, and they mentioned it's been all damn night that they're waiting for the herd to cross. Um, they also talk about Fat Joey, I guess, has come up with some way to rig the herds to mm-hmm. redirect them. Uh, they're introducing that concept. I thought it was a pretty fuzzy way to introduce it because I kind of already knew about some of these tactics from reading the comic books. And if you didn't, I think maybe you're supposed to th- think that that's not fully understand it. But then they talk about redirection right. immediately afterwards. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they're setting up a couple things, right? I mean, they're, they're like you said, it is a little fuzzy, which I think I'm okay with. Um, but they're setting up the stuff that happens later with this Mark guy or whatever his name is. Um, apparently, he was supposed to do some of this redirection, and he didn't. Um, and they're setting up this concept of redirection here. But I also think they're doing something, which to me is a little more interesting, is they're setting up the idea that neg- that the saviors are out to destroy this herd like they are they're temporarily routing the herd around just giving it the right, runaround they want to do a final stand right they're talking about rocket launchers and depth Demo charges, charges yeah. boomsticks and all sorts of stuff it, it very much sounded like to me that that's what they were doing and it got me thinking is that actually a valuable service that he is providing because in this world, you could see if these if the Hilltop never teamed up with the Saviors and uh, Alexandria didn't get in the mix and Ezekiel, like the kingdom wasn't... If all of these groups weren't together, would they have the strength or the capability to take out the herd? Oh, totally. And, that, and, and that's 
somewhat clever from having Negan go up and saying when he you know knocks the zombies in the head, we thought that was just him having a goof, but he's saying service. Maybe that's a soft sell that they'll soon appreciate. But it's it's weird for Alexandria because they've already survived right. one herd. But you can tell like that's very few civil settlements can survive a full blown herd coming at them, and they don't have the capability to take out a herd. No, all they can do is route it away. All right. they can do is hope to be ignored by the herd. Whereas Negan, now that he has all this firepower and is massing more, might be able to. Right, right. So, I don't know. But also, you wonder, maybe some of that is, like, uh, propaganda. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, hey, we're going to kick these on, we're going to take the fight to the zombies, kind of, and he never intends to. Yeah, Because that's also a useful threat. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It's, it's and good the, motivation too. Not even just a threat, right? The, the G, yeah, I'm just saying the geopolitics of Negan's situation is is fascinating, uh-huh. and they would do well to explore more of that because to this point, it's really an open mystery about why he is surviving. Like they don't sure. really do a great job of explaining how this, you know, dictator what is 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 maintaining discipline amongst his own men. They're not showing like right. this cadre of loyal Neganites to the bone. Like, it seems like mm-hmm. everybody has a bone to pick with him uh, and, and axes to grind and, and grudges that he nurses. He just, like, encourages yeah. them. Like, oh, don't forget, I'm fucking your wife. Right. Um, oh, and hey, Fat Joey, uh, yeah. Fat Joseph. Well, at least he calls him yeah. the, the, That's his respect. full name. That That's is respect. A little bit of respect. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I wish they were doing a slightly better job. I guess right now they're still in the... Setting up Negan as a bad guy phase, but see that's why man, was, they've really got that pedal to the metal. When I said in the uh, opening episode that my worst fear is that we would be here at the end of the seat, we would be halfway through the setup to get to the real meat of the Negan story, and they're right. going to take the whole fucking sixteen episodes to do that build up. I was a- afraid of that because yeah. all this interesting shit is getting diluted by a bunch of shit that's not interesting. Well, let me ask you this: mask you something? Mask you something? Uh, if your season is 16 episodes long Uh and you have six 90 minute episodes, doesn't that really make it like a 1920 episode season? Yeah. Aren't we, aren't we on the verge of going back to fucking lost where there's too much time to fill and and it has to be filled with bullshit in order to get there and when you still go back to loss this isn't a pot shot at loss necessarily this is more like it's just the whole what one of the innovations of of the golden age of television is smaller seasons equals more concise less filler a more engaging interesting story right and walking dead seems to be walking away from that concept yeah i mean going right back to the things that people didn't like about the TV right before the modern era of TV. No, no, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, so after the saviors have been hanging out in the back of this truck all night long, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus and Carl pop out of the back. Like, good thing none of you guys coughed, sneezed, farted, had to piss. Yeah. Like, what if Carl, like three hours, like at three o'clock in the morning, just had to fucking piss? Yeah. You can't hold that. That's a biological. Um, I mean, did you, you just you piss, piss your pants? pants? Yeah. Must have. Absolutely. Must have. And you he, shit and yourself. You unfortunately, yourself. unfortunately, he had been eating asparagus in the back the whole time, too. <laughs> and they smelled it immediately. Just, but, yeah, I, I stooped Austin And Jesus Austin had been Powers. drinking whiskey. And... That's right. I stooped an Austin Powers joke. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Jesus gets busy sabotaging boxes. Uh, he's cutting the bottoms out of the, sco- the, the scotch shipment, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> it is. It's, it's petty and cool, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. 
Uh, he's squirting syrup at the back, which is like, what the fuck? And he's like, I'm leaving the trail. It's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Jesus says, hey, we got to bail. We're getting too close. And Carl's like, I don't know, Jesus. I'm scared. I don't know how to bail. Why don't you show me the ropes? Go first. Jesus does so, and he's all ninja and awesome, like a little long-haired biblical panther. And Carl just waves at the back like sucker, and Jesus has been had. Yeah, I do love that they give Jesus a big speech on how to jump out and right. we, can, we can do this and right. show me how Jesus I'm all scared yeah and Carl's like nah nah see you Jesus uh so Negan uh Car- Carl pulls up in the back of the truck and you can hear Negan's voice prominently and Carl's got his hands on a assault rifle and I'm like huh I wonder how they'll plausibly and believably keep Carl from killing <laughs> Negan at this mo- moment yeah and Negan says, hey, what went wrong with the redirect? And there's this thing to talk about Mark fucking up. Um, Jesus' sabotage of the Scott shipment goes off and all the bottles break. Carl springs in action and rocking and rolling with this uh, assault rifle. Uh, he kills a couple of his dudes, literally a couple, too. Uh, Negan shows up. He has got no human shield for, like, the first 30 seconds of confrontation, and Carl, for whatever reason, doesn't just shoot him in the face. I have no idea why. This was a... Carl knew this was a suicide mission. I don't understand this... Negan's only survived because they needed to in the plot. Yeah. I I mean, and, and I was actually kind of shocked that they just set this up and let it play out, and they couldn't think of a better, a better reason. Right. Like, like maybe Negan hits the deck or he takes some evasive action and, like, one of his dudes, uh, what eventually happens is Carl eventually starts to shoot and Dwight takes him out, but yeah. it just felt very implausible and stupid. I agree. And then he has multiple opportunities throughout the episode to kill Negan and he doesn't take any of them. I mean, I would like to see Negan be a badass, like, mm-hmm. give some indication that he's a survivor. Like, he's, he's not just an idiot. And right. him doing this thing, like, he finally takes you know, cover behind one of his own men. Yeah. That should have been like play one. If get you're fat do Joey. Just yeah. Like get from fat, the other yeah. side of the truck. Hey, fat Joey. Right. And then he comes around holding fat Joey in front of him. That's perfect. Right. Right. Yeah. But I, they don't do any of that. And this is the least forgivable because later on you can say, okay, well he's starting to win Carl over maybe a little bit. Not in the beginning. Uh, but not right here. No, uh, there's no excuse for this one. Uh, anyway, um, Negan t- says he's adorable and that you scared a shit out of me. I a lot of this dialogue's right out of the comic books, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, once you, I look past the the shitty staging of the action itself, mm-hmm. uh, Dwight subdues Carl's after he kills one more of Negan's men. Uh, Negan calls him off, uh, offers him his hand as Daryl watches from Walker Duty's duty helplessly, um, and they keep pulling out and they show this massive Negan complex, and it, it feels like it lasts for ten minutes. Yeah, like it just keeps is... pulling out and pulling out, and you know we had yeah. time to have a whole conversation about how do, do, is there an optimum zombie placement and like the, uh, uh, making analogies to tower defense games, <laughs> and then become aware of how long this pullout's going on. It was like almost it's just super indulgent, and yeah. and and maybe this is why I didn't like it at first because I was coming into this episode with the grudge, and right off the bat they hit me with a whole bunch of stupid bullshit, <laughs> right. There are some like very quick lines here about the redirect getting screwed up. Yep. Um you know, and and I guess, you know, that's what Mark was supposed to be in charge of, which we find later. They're kind of setting up breadcrumbs for that, which worked out pretty well, sure. I thought. 
That's fine. Mm-hmm. And also, take note on this massive complex, how tall it is, and how many lookouts. I actually <laughs> right. I actually thought on the second time through, it's like, you know what, I, maybe there's no lookouts, and that's just stupid. But they, they made sure that they show silhouettes of dudes <laughs> at all kinds of vantage points and all these very high locations, which... You should Makes do. Sense, yeah. You have this commanding, dominating view of the entire countryside. Use it. Except, keep this in mind when we get when we get later on in the episode. And I guess this is also a power plant, yeah. How or, so? Or some kind of refinery. It's, yeah, it does. It's clear it does. that it looks it's like clear that they fire. would have a lot of like either power or ability to produce power here. Uh, it also looks a lot like the old. Uh, White River Power Plant uh, by uh, Mooresville that we grew up by. Huh. Okay. Uh, so I, I assume it's a, some kind of coal-firing uh, plant, but who knows? It could be a steel-smelting thing. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. But it's a big factory. It's something that— uh, I mean, you got to live in a power plant to be watching who's the boss during the apocalypse. Sure, sure. You have to. It's, 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 There's it, no excuse otherwise. It's essentially every fortress that one of the bad guys in Captain Planet would live in. <laughs> Okay. Like, you know. Yeah, it's polluting the atmosphere. Sure. It's, right. it's yeah. just dumping that CO2. Yeah, and, and if, if this was a Captain uh, Power, or not Captain Power, if this is Captain Planet episode, Negan would be some kind of pig-faced mm-hmm. billionaire with money flying out of his pockets, <laughs> belching cigar smoke, but it's it's just Walking Dead, so yep. he's just Negan belching cigar smoke. Uh, Carl refuses Negan's hand, uh, the uh, offer to help up, and Negan informs him the stink guy's only half as good as his man, old man because he's only got half the eye. Uh, and he says, "You know what? Come to think of it, you're lucky to have a hand, and so is Daryl over here." Which Carl, mm-hmm. for the fucking umpteenth time, is impressed upon the point that he has no power here. He should have took a shot. Yep. Take the fucking man's hand. Uh, Negan laments the fact that he's going to be so busy, he won't have time to screw but one wife. And Carl, fearfully, for whatever reason, asks, what are you going to do to me? And Negan gets angry and says, don't fuck this up by betraying that you're not some fearless badass. And also, don't want to spoil the surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so weird how, I mean, I guess it's not because Carl's just a 15-year-old boy. But it's kind of weird the way they chose to have him vacillate between this fearless guy who is ready to lay his life on the line and the kind of the fearful little boy. I'm yeah. not sure to what extent it worked for me. How did it work for you? Uh, it, it mostly worked. Um, I'm not. I'm not totally sure why the eye thing got to him as much as it did. Well, once I wish... he started singing, like right. I mean, maybe it's just the powerlessness. Maybe he's just feeling it in that moment. But see, I wish they would show that those were more tears of rage than tears of like sorrow and despair because I think that would have worked with his little junior psychopath line. Like have Chandler right. Riggs like I mean, I've been in a situation where I'm so fucking angry that like the tears are coming to my <laughs> eyes, uh-huh. you know. Um I that's a weird fucking emotional reaction, but it's it's something that can happen. Maybe I don't know, maybe he's not sophisticated enough to to show that I, I have no idea, and I don't want to pick on Chandler Riggs because I think he's pretty awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, what are are we at? Uh, yes, Negan g- goes to address his people and says, "Good news, everybody! Everyone gets fresh vegetables at dinner. No points. Half-eaten and- cucumbers. This guy in the truck, he just took the tops <laughs> off all of them. He ate the ends out of every cucumber. <laughs> he did what? Who eats?" Cucumbers that way just chomps right down on him. I guess if you're hungry and like fresh fruits and vegetables, he's got a knife on him. He could cut slices of this thing, right? I guess some people like gnawing on shit, man. (sighs) I Uh, suppose it was just—it's weird. I've never seen anybody do that before. Yeah, 
Yeah, cu- yeah. what are you going to do? Some people do a lot of things with cucumbers, but <laughs> not eat the tops of them. <laughs> yeah, Negan, Negan's wives are going to be really complaining <laughs> oh, that you no. ate the cucumber. No. Oh, no. I'm saying Negan's got... No, I'm not going to say anything. Um... <laughs> Anyway, uh, Negan impresses the point of Carl that everyone respects him because they're still kneeling. He hasn't dismissed them, and he hasn't said anything. He's got his back turned to him, I guess. Like, a lot of this episode, it felt like... Have you ever been over at a friend's house, and he's, like, bragging about... So I'm thinking, like, uh, uh, Pete Campbell in Mad Men, when he's got the new uh, hi-fi system, and uh-huh. he's showing, like, Don Draper, and he could not be more impressed or could not be less impressed Mm -hmm. and he keeps doubling down on bragging about his machine to try to get the guy and instead of be like well he just doesn't give a shit about hi-fi or he's just trying to shine you on yeah i felt like that with negan like negan is almost desperate and and cringy in his desire to appear cool to carl did you get that hmm and maybe part part of this is uh, jdm's performance Maybe so, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like because it's like oh yeah, look at the, oh, look how cool those people are. I don't know. Right? Yeah. He because when he walks out there, he's like, check this out or whatever. Yeah. It, right. Right. Yeah. And Carl's not impressed by any of it. I don't think he is. Do you? I. It's weird because he almost like when Carl's showing them showing Negan his house. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like they were a little buddy buddy for a second, like throwing darts. And, yeah, yeah, and no, you totally I and got that kind that. of thing. And I don't understand why exactly. Well, I mean, there's a germ of something cool there because this is the age where kids want to rebel against their parents. Like, sure. give them a reason. They're uh-huh. they're liable to change their politics. They're liable to change their religion. They're liable to do anything. And Negan is showing a philosophy that's radically di- well, not even radically different, but different than the way Rick and his group roll. Mm-hmm. But is also the victorious method, and it's getting results, and it's getting. I, I don't. I mean, I, I. I think they could sell a storyline where that kind of appeals to Carl, um, and he's conflicted about you know who to. But 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 it felt weird as as portrayed because Negan is so weird and so extreme and so eclectic that it's like even like he's just too weird for even Carl to to well, embrace as a they, weird uncle. I guess I just didn't do enough to set it up for me. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy that this early on Carl would be interested in what Negan's offering. I mean, he wanted to kill him like an hour ago. Yeah, and I still wonder what a, what this episode had been like if we had not had the tear episode in between that kind of killed all the momentum of like, oh my God, Jesus and Carl in a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Ros- back in Alexandria, Rosita, Eugene, Spencer, and Father G are preparing to disembark on a supply run. Eugene says, hey, uh, Rosita, why don't we go with this group and have a larger group? And Rosita's like, no, we'll be fine alone. And Spencer announces he thinks he can do better than Rick. Rosita sincerely doubts it. Uh, And Rosita and Eugene take off. And Spencer and Father Gabriel pile into what I think is a uh, pink Honda Insight. Okay. Which... Or, which is a fine post-apocalyptic vehicle. Gas is uh-huh. at a premium. You want something that gets 45, 50 miles of the gallon, yeah? Sure. I don't know about those. Like, it's like, did did Alexandria have some kind of mildly successful Mary Kay representative that yes. got, like, you can get the pink Cadillac. It was, it was Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> he 
didn't get the pink Cadillac because he, he wasn't yeah. that committed to it, but he got the pink insight. His mom was like, look, the Latin classes, the pain is going to do you good one right. day. So is the Mary Kate. You got good cheekbones. Get out there and sell. Do s- it. Sell some of uh, foundation, some I'm eyeliner. Great in eyeliner, Spencer. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Spencer's car. Maybe. But uh, my big question is, why is it so dirty? Well, I mean, Why is it so dirty. There's no post-apocalyptic car washes, man. That's the, the sky will wash your car for you, man. Just keep it outside. I wonder that about Rick's hair. Why is it so dirty? Yeah, Why call it and, and Daryl. You know, fuck, fuck the yeah. cars. I, you yeah, these point. guys got some shampoo. Good point. Uh, anyway, uh, Negan then takes his, Carl to his harem back at the Savior Complex, mm. and. He says, I know where you're from. Everyone dresses like they do the books at an auto shop. I know you're going to want to look at them titties. Wait, Knock yourself wait, out. wait. An auto show, not an auto shop. No, no. He says, every, no, no, no. He goes, where what? you're from. I thought so, too. But he says, where you're from, I know oh. everyone dresses like they do the books at an auto shop. Like, imagine, he's trying to imagine like a large Marge type that's doing the bookkeeping for an auto shop. Okay. Okay, but, I thought he said these women are dressed like nah. they're part of an auto show. Right, which also would make sense. Right. Because they're all essentially dressed... This is like a very cheap Eastern European knockoff version of The Bachelor. Okay. You know how like when yes. we, when we uh-huh. steal like uh, the American Idol from the Brits or whatever, and then we mm-hmm. do like our different version. Like this is, a, this is like what what uh the bachelor looks like in fucking Estonia mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, because Instead of giving roses to the women, you give irons to the men to of the women because <laughs> exactly. they're all they're all taken. Amber, uh, sorry, but Mark's <laughs> gonna have to get the iron this week. No, it's it's weird, and they're all in these slinky black dresses, and it's just of course it's, really it's weird. That's the fake eighties porno set looking thing that are all hanging out at. It's this, just... this is supposed to disgust you, and if it doesn't, if it if you feel like oh fuck yeah, well, Negan's got it made here, I think you're a gross person. You I, need to question your life decisions. Of course, but I'm like. I'm not saying you're feeling that, obviously, but if you're out there and you're thinking that, but shouldn't they like? Wouldn't it be a more interesting choice to maybe make this a little bit more like what a normal person would conceive of as a a power trip fantasy? Like, why do they? This is already a gross. This is already a gross concept. Why not try to? Yeah, I guess what what you're saying is if they did that, they would probably be accused of trying to glamorize the Negan lifestyle. Fair point. That and I just don't think it's possible. I mean, if you know that these people are not here of their own consent, that's not a good situation regardless of how you address it. I I understand that. I'm just saying that like this particular aesthetic – uh-huh. Put aside the morality of the situation. You don't, just, you don't like the Victorian look. It's it's <laughs> just going. It's just so good. I mean, like I said, the whole situation's gauche, and then yeah. the way the situation presented is gauche. It's just a it's just a gauche on gauche sandwich, and I I, I don't know what to do about it. But yeah, you're I guess right. That's the point. I don't know just... that you want to sexy it up. You know. Yeah, maybe if it was an auto show, I would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> or if they were just doing the books in an auto shop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go go a different direction. Uh, here's here's the thing about this scene though yeah. is like during the live watch I noticed we weren't cracking jokes or talking all mm. that much during Negan scenes mm. which you know JDM's out there doing his JDM Negan thing but I think it's pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Like that's the sign of a good scene when you can get us to shut the fuck up and pay attention yeah. to your scene, especially with this much dressing. Like we made right. all the jokes we could make about this situation for about thirty seconds, and then and then five uh, minutes we, we just sat and watched, and it was 
you know, it's fairly capturing. Um, he's he's still a captivating character, even though you know he's got these mannerisms that are yeah. kind of funny. Uh, it's just it's telling. He's detestable. He's scary, and he's captivating. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so he goes and talks to Sherry, Dwight's ex-wife, about what happened with Mark and Amber, and she says, "Well, we talk about when you're not around, none of your business." Which I'm like, huh. I don't have a good handle on what Negan does and does not allow vis-a-vis women because mm-hmm. he doesn't, quote-unquote, rape women. He sure doesn't have a problem with making them feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and keeping them against their their what I would consider their will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he respects the privacy of their conversations, except for not really. No, I think he respects the privacy of his own conversations. <laughs> right. Uh, but she, uh, he goes, well, fair enough. But what I heard is that Mark skipped on a redirect to be with Amber and I need to know if it's true. And she essentially verifies the truth of the situation by saying she made a mistake uh, and asked him to take it easy on her. He says, did I ever hit you? Have I ever hit any of you? And she goes, I know you haven't, but I also know there's worse when it comes to you. And she's referring to the waffle iron. I'm assuming. Um, my question is why, why did he go to Sherry? Like, it seems like he knew what was going on. Why not just go right to Amber? I don't know, I guess... Is this a way of, like, making her betray Amber's trust in this way is a way that... A further way that he can exert his his dominance over her? Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. Um, But I I don't know. Maybe she's the one with the most spine that he has left to break. I I don't know. Uh, You know who doesn't? Amber. Amber Mm -hmm. is a a cooked noodle. Yeah. Yeah. and he says, like, hey, you know what? You want to go back with Mark? You can do it. Uh, but what you can't do is cheat on me. And, hey, don't cry. This is all going to work out. Um, but I think at this point, I didn't know exactly, but Amber knew what was going to happen. The price of this disobedience is going to be Mark's face. Yep. Um, she calls. Uh, he goes back to Sherry, and he she calls him an asshole, and he says, well, that's why you like me. And he kisses her, and she plays her part, and it's just super gross. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh god! Like because she's actually, you know, playing. She's playing the prostitute, mm-hmm. right? She's like not just letting him kiss her. She's returning it because that's what he expects her to do. Just in then, Dwight walks in with Daryl, who is holding a plate of grapes and olives or some shit like that's that. That's some demeaning shit right there. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, you want to make sure you're sticking your th- tongue down this your right hand man's throat. Wait, no, not your right-hand man's <laughs> ex-wife's throat. Uh-huh. That'd be a whole different Negan. Well, um, yeah. And uh, just as he's walking in the door, it's like, why? I think I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't get his The timing. His I'm impressed by the timing. True. Do you think he knew? Like, he had set. Yeah, he told. He, must, yeah, he, he did tell him, get the food ready. So maybe that's why he was fucking with Sherry. He wanted to make sure that he was within tongue range. This so could have been. As soon as he heard footsteps yeah. outside the door, it's just like, all right, time to. I mean, I just think he started in, and this was either going to be a 30-second kiss, or this was going to be a three-hour kiss, depending on how long it took him to get the plate in there. Yeah. Uh, Daryl steps right to him and says, why you got him here? And Daryl fire, or uh, sorry, Negan fires back what we talk about when you're not here is none of your business, and don't make me stick this toothpick through Carl's only good eye. Mm-hmm. He tells Dwight to fire up the furnace, because it's deja vu time. Again, he really likes giving it to Dwight. Uh, and they walk out, and Dwight's wife immediately hits the bottle and breaks down crying, which I thought that was the best thing that she's done on the series so far. Okay. That was like... Best decision she's made or no, the no, best performance? I, I, yeah, the best performance. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, I, I took her seriously as a real character for the first time when she showed. That was, like I thought, a really good, a really good um, 
a, a set piece of a performance that she did at the end there. Where she's just desperately drinking and like, oh, God, my life is a fully fucking waking nightmare. Mm-hmm. In a way that like Pretty- I, I never get from Dwight. Like, Dwight t- talks to talk, but I, I don't buy him being haunted. Yeah. Like, even when he kills, like, his, you know, Carrot Boy or whatever the hell that guy's name is. Like, I never really got, like, the relationship or whatever. But I buy how gross this is and how demeaning and de- degradating it must be. And it's a fairly well-constructed scene, I think. Uh, at the beginning, Negan goes over and he pours this glass of whiskey for sure. her. Uh, and you you almost hardly notice it. And then, you know, he does a bunch of stuff. He go over, mm-hmm. goes over to see Amber. He mm-hmm. goes, drinks his beer. Yep. And finally... It all comes back to that glass of whiskey, which I thought was nice. Well, and the other thing is, like, you know, here's me from my male perspective. I'm processing all this as insults towards Dwight and provocations. But when she threw back that whiskey and, like, was trying to keep her shit together, I recognized that these are all very equally, if not more so, slight, you know, uh, uh, like, she's being used as a tool to tweak Dwight, Mm -hmm. which is even worse, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, she's real sad about the things she's got to do just to keep them alive at this point. I mean, right. And Dwight's th- not There is no either, other option. Like, as we'll get to here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so we finally find out what Rick and Aaron were looking at, and it's a gate that says, essentially, there's nothing for trouble for you here. Don't come back here. Which is funny because as a Jehovah's Witness, <laughs> back in the day, I'd see like I, I I know I would you'd see gates like that out in the country. You do and yeah. every once in a while. You'd have the old turd that fucking went to jail during Vietnam because he didn't fight, and he'd be like, "Yep, we're going back there." Like, cause he surely doesn't. Talk, he's not talking about God's people. And I'm like, "God damn it, Ralph! You're going to get us all fucking killed." This is some serious bottle hitting. D- this guy went to Vietnam, right? And he's haunted by Charlie, and he's not going to want your fucking draft dodging ass coming and talk about the Bible. But anyway, <laughs> I feel for a- I feel for Aaron here in this situation because he's got yeah. a lunatic wanting to take him down the garden path, and they got nothing but knives and yeah, no, it's wrist rockets to fight back with. Scary uh, thing. But Rick's got a point. He's like, hey, we got to find something today because they could be back tomorrow. Hell, they could be back today. Rick is a fucking prescient uh, prophet, apparently. <laughs> uh, in the pink insight, uh, Father Gabriel and Spencer are having to talk about the nature of sin and whether hating someone in your heart is a sin. Uh, and he confesses that he hates he hates Rick. That Rick is a, just a two bit cop. His mom was a fucking politician and awesome, and that and that Rick uh, people have died because of Rick. Well, a lot of people died because of your dumbass brother. A lot of mm-hmm. people died because of your dumbass mother. Yep. So, come on, Spencer. I know you're you you got politician in your genes, but Jesus. And you know, Father Gabriel, which I still have a hard time taking him seriously. I still yeah. harbor a little hate in my heart towards towards uh, my man here. Uh, and he points out, hey, you know, some people died, made others live. We don't get to judge because we're here now, and we can look to the future because of Rick. And Spencer says, you know, what future? I think it's best that he doesn't make it back to the car, which then Father Gabriel says, stop the car. You might not be a sinner, but you definitely are a shit. <laughs> but it's not a terminal case yet. And Tremendous then he says, shit. I'm walking home because why? Was he just making a point that I don't even want to hang out with you? You're being such a shit? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or I wonder is more like, I see what you're doing. You're essentially spreading sedition, and I want no part in it. 
that like, if yeah. I keep in this car, you're going to keep on me about this shit, and this is as firm as a stand that I can make against this anti-Rick talk. Right. Um, yeah, he just, he's going to end the conversation there and let him think about it. Uh, Spencer, because of um, Father Gabriel's timing, gets a real windfall here. He goes running through the woods and finds a deer hunter in a stand. Wait, wait, wait. He goes running into the woods. Yes. Why? Does I'm I'm he guessing because he running? heard some thrashing from the because the the guy in the the deer stand wasn't that far off the road. You you mm-hmm. so you're guessing that maybe he heard some thrashing that we didn't uh-huh. as an audience, uh-huh. and that that's what caused him to just sprint off into the woods. What do you think happened here? Do you have a conspiracy theory? No, okay. I think you're absolutely right. But you know, being able to hear that as an audience member might that have, been have been nice. Fun, yeah. Instead of just going, "What the fuck?" He's just running into the woods, right? Yeah, I, for no reason. Good point. Good point. Uh, Negan explains to Carl that he wants to get to know him better, and he says, "Because and you're an interesting case because you're smart, but you did something crazy and stupid, and you know I can't let it slide." Uh, and he's having this really long monologue, and at one point he just starts saying, you know what, this is like talking to a birthday present. Take this off, I want to see what Grandma gave me. <laughs> which <laughs> I thought awesome. was re- And this is stuff, is this shit that's right out of the comic books, which is really, really funny. It is, it's great. Um, and very Negan. Uh, and, Car- and, and, and Carl's reluctant, but, you know, again, he, he learned from the first 12 times he pulled this shit that Negan's going to get what Negan wants. So he reveals his eye socket. And it's it's gross, but not as gross as I thought it would be. Like it, okay, yeah. When I saw it in mm-hmm. high def, it it's pretty not. I mean, I've seen an empty eye socket. Like 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 Gus Fring is like king of empty eye sockets. This was no sure. Gus Fring, no. Which is interesting because apparently uh, Breaking Bad lore says that uh, the Walking Dead visual effects guys did the assist on that particular scene that I'm talking about, right? So, like, how did this end up being somehow disappointing? Well, they probably have to do it more often. They're probably going for an effect that they can achieve pretty easily Hmm. over and over again. It might have been practical. I was expecting them because I was looking at it and I was trying to look at the the way it was moving on Chandler Riggs' face. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. is that a practical effect or is that a digital effect? Because if it's a practical yeah. effect, then it's pretty good. If it's a digital effect, then it sucks, is my, my estimation. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so Negan starts saying uh, how fucking gross and disgusting it is, and how can he put his finger in there, and Carl starts crying, and Negan apologizes for hurting his feelings, which, is this genuine? Is like Negan really sorry in the moment here, or is this a power play? Uh, that's a real good question, and I don't know the answer to it. I'm not 100% sure on his, his motivation here. I mean, he talks a big mess about breaking Daryl, and if I'm Carl, I'd be thinking, like, what all of this stuff is genuine, what all of this is an act, and what all of it is to, quote-unquote, break my spirit. Right. Um, just right then, Fat Joe barges in with Lucille and says that Negan left it in the truck because of all the excitement over the shootout, and Negan... Asks him if he treated it like a lady, if he petted its if its little bat pussy, and Fat Joe is visibly uncomfortable with this. When Negan says, "Ah, it's just dicking with you," everyone knows baseball bats don't have a pussy. Um, and says, "This is also pretty funny." This is the breaking balls I was trying to tell you about, Carl. Then he orders him to sing him a song, 
something that his mom used to sing him and he Carl manages to squeak out some broken lines of you are my sunshine while Negan's taking big swings with his bat and distracting him and he asks him if his mom sang that to him and asks him they talk about Lori and how she died and he goes no wonder you're a serial killer well chapter two in your development come on we got the iron ready uh anything to say before we get to the ironing scene nope we're at the ironing scene that's it <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, Negan walks in, uh, makes a big speech about the rules. He has first, he has Carl hold his bat, which I thought was a nice, you know, symmetry with the way he treated his father. Yeah, just beat him to death right there in front of his, all of his people. Just do it. Uh, he says, "Look, I'd like to ignore the rules, but the rules keep us alive. If you try to skirt the rules, you get the iron." And you know, they show Amber losing her shit and Sherry trying to comfort her because she's been through this. Negan then takes his red hot fucking iron with a pair of welder's gloves and pushes it against Mark's face until he literally passes out. And the whole time Carl's giving Daryl this like, what the fuck look, which would I guess be more impressive if I didn't know that Carl had seen Negan do even equally heinous shit before. Okay. Like you just saw him beat to death. Two men pushing an iron against his face is going to be the one is like, this guy's a monster. I don't right. know. Yeah. Uh, these, the, the writers watch their own show. I, I, I don't know. Open question. Um, and then he, it, it, there's this pretty sick shot where he takes the iron off and you called it like ever since the iron came out of the stoves, like, oh, there's going to be some melted skin involved. Oh yeah. There was. I've seen enough horror, horror torture porn movies to know. Yep. I have not. Still uncomfortable <laughs> for me. Uh, he the Negan says with disdain that the pussy pissed himself. He makes Daryl clean it up, which, whatever. It's like not even the tenth worst thing Daryl's probably done. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's just for Rick. Uh, a doctor comes in to treat Mark's facial burn, and Negan says, well, that's it. We're square now. This, is, this essentially sets everybody to uh, their proper accounting, and everything's cool. And then he says he's going to figure out something to do with Carl. Do you want is, is there a lot of discussion to be had in this scene? I don't feel like it. I mean, we've kind of talked about you know Carl and and Negan's budding relationship here. I don't, right. I don't and, know. If there's and it makes else. sense that if you're going back to feudalism, that you would bring like this is just old school Middle Ages public punishment and execution oh, type sure. stuff, and it, yeah. it 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 it's an effective way to keep people in 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 line. Mm-hmm. Um. We then switch to Spencer, who's got this. When we were watching it, uh, I made the analogy that this is the exact equal and opposite to Glenn's getting the the zombie out of the well gambit in season two. Yeah. Instead of descending down into a bad idea, uh, Spencer's trying to pull a bad idea down to his level. He, he, <laughs> he, he, he rigs up this thing, pulls the deer stand down. The deer hunter is then hanging by the tree by his arms. The weight of the man, because he's kind of a portly man, uh, rips the zombie's arms off, mm-hmm. and he just he hits the ground like a sack of potatoes. Spencer then retrieves the guy's bow, which looks like a pretty nice compound bow, and then essentially teabags the zombie. <laughs> right. Puts his crotch right within prime biting distance as he rifles the corpse's pockets and uh-huh. looks for things that he can scavenge. Why? Why did this zombie not bite him in the nuts? Because there was nothing that I saw that actually killed this zombie. Yeah, he fell from the tree, didn't hit his head as far as I can I've tell. I've seen zombies fall through worse and yeah. get up. So I, I really don't know what killed this zombie. I wish, because uh, cause for my, the whole time I'm like, you're going to get your dick bit. You're yeah, going to get your dick bit. Me too. You're going to get your dick bit. I wish they'd shown Spencer 
shoving a knife in his head so I could have relaxed if they're not going to have him essentially get his dick bit. Sure. I mean, the first time through, I missed that he even pulled anything out of his pockets because I was so concerned about this dick bite. I know. I, <laughs> I, I got dick bit blue balls, man. And it's not like the show doesn't have it. a history of biting dicks. That's I mean, right. You, 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 inter- you put dick biting on the table last season, <laughs> and then this? Yeah. Very unfulfilled. I hope the Spencer somehow dies from a bite to the dick because that would be mm-hmm. that would make the scene worth it. Uh, but he does rifle through and he finds a list, which I didn't have a prayer of understanding last night in, on on the stream we were watching it on. Um, but it's a note written in Latin on this guy's body: plausibility of a deer hunter in Virginia, no uh, b- being fluent in Latin. Uh, not not great. But not impossible, hmm. surely, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot of people speak Latin. Like, I don't even either, amongst but... educated, quote unquote, elite types, like Latin is very much a dead language. If we if we came across like four or five of these just randomly scattered through the Virginia uh, countryside, I'd call bullshit. Okay, but, but one you'll allow. Yeah, the guy's got a quirk. Okay, the guy liked Latin. Um, so that's, that's that scene. Uh, Rosita and Eugene are at the bullet factory that he took Abraham to last season. And Rosita wants her one bullet. And Eugene says, no. And Eugene actually makes a lot of good points. He's like, look, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm on board with general thrust, but we got to lull these people into a false sense of complacency because when we go to hit them, we got to hit them with everything we got. And we got to make sure we tag out Negan and the whole power structure. And Rosita says, yeah, I'm hearing you, but no, that's all bullshit. I want my bullet. And I mm-hmm. got on second watch, I was make I was making fun of Eugene too much to first watch. Second watch, I actually was fully on Eugene's side and, and kind of mad at Rosita at how okay. because you know, he's even saying, like, look, if you try this and fail, right. a price will be paid. And she goes, I'll pay that price. Like that's look, not the you point dumbass. He's that's making. Yeah. Yes. He's making yes. the exact opposite point, which is you will not be the one to pay the price, we will. I get you want to avenge Abraham and prove to everyone and Sasha that you loved him best, but holy shit, this right. is so phenomenally stupid. And I'm yeah. actually I'm mad at her and I'm mad at Eugene for going along with it. But uh, so everybody seems to be on board with that at this point. Like I wish people would just talk about it. Yeah, because no one seems to be talking about it with each other. They're just off on their individual missions. I mean, Michonne goes on a fucking mission to at least meet with Negan. I don't know what she's going to do once she gets there, but. Everybody seems to want to kill this guy, and nobody seems to want to do it with anybody else. And it comes across as a kind of a lack of respect for Rick. Like Rick is saying, "This is the way it's got to be," and they're like, you know, like sure, they're, they're t- everyone is rightfully so judging Spencer, saying that he can do better than Rick. But essentially, everyone in this fucking town, from Carl to Michonne to yeah. Rosita, uh, Sasha, Sa- every, Jesus, like every, all of them. yeah, geez, everyone thinks they can do better than Rick, uh-huh. and I don't quite get what the deal is um i i'm i'm i mean them openly question or them privately questioning his leadership and going to rick and be like look we're all together we all think this is like uh, we are not cowed right we we want to you know not roll over and give up like that would be appropriate but i'm not saying this is inappropriate it just comes across as dumb like i don't think rick's band is dumb yeah i i i don't know I'm not, I'm not totally sure how I feel about it yet. It is clear that there is a lot of people mounting up, and and it's going to be trouble one way or another, whether it's trouble for Negan or trouble for Alexandria. I'm not entirely sure yet. 
so she uses every emotional button and she pushes him on and says, you're a coward and you're weak. For once, do something useful and make me a bullet. And he proves her point by making her a bullet. Like, I thought it would be a pretty righteous moment if Eugene's like, no, make your own fucking bullet. Uh-huh. This is wrong. I don't agree with it. And I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm not a coward. I'm, I'm not a stand coward. Up to you. You, you're gonna ha- you can kill me. You can beat me. You can abuse me. But instead, yep. he just fucking makes her a bullet. He does. So, character development, I guess. And it, is it weird to you that Rosita only asks for a single bullet? And actually, doesn't even... She's not even implying here that she wants more than one. And in fact, she only gets one and she's satisfied by that. That's like, like going to a fucking uh, cook and saying, make me a biscuit. Okay. <laughs> if you get all of the supplies to make a bullet, you might as well make like, a clip full of them. At least, yes. Because half the battle is getting all that shit together in one spot and getting the thing. Re- I mean, I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't. Unless he literally only had like one, you know... Uh, I forget what they're called, the primer caps or whatever. The, the mm, you yeah. know, um, Unless he only had one of those or one casing or whatever, like the whole make me a bullet seemed really stupid. And also, what the fuck? If, if, if her prime goal is to kill Negan, one bullet? So wh- what's that going to do? I mean, I, I, it, she might, in fact, only have the one bullet because she, doesn't she pick that up off the ground when she comes back? Yeah, but there's empty shell casings all over that place. Well, like, yeah, we talked about that. probably has a few but, thousand just within right. its walls. Like, But I think the show is trying to say that this is the only bullet she has. And I I don't buy it, I guess. That's dumb, too. Yeah. I think I wonder what they're if they're going because Negan obviously was into her. If she's mm-hmm. going to, like, have – she's going to make an offer to be his wife and on their on – their, their, one, their first night together, she's just going to close range, blow his brains out. How would she get the gun in? They're not going to pat her down? Her uh, clothes are too tight. She can't hide that anywhere. What? Anywhere? Her hair? Like, under <laughs> yeah, her under yeah, her. Yeah, that's where I'm going with her yeah. hair, Jim. Uh-huh. She's going to go with this giant B-52s uh, style <laughs> beehive, and this is going to be bristling with weaponry. She's going to have a cake with her. It'll be like Mob Beagle sneaking <laughs> oh, in yeah. stuff to the Best Beagle way Boys. To, uh, Negan's, Negan's heart is through his stomach, man. The other way around, rather. Yeah. yeah. She'll come in with a cake with a gun in it, and it'll be rigged to blow his face off when he takes a bite. <laughs> yeah. that's that's. Yeah. I was thinking she would stuff it into a different pie uh, of, of a sort, but, you know, we can, we can go there, too. Um. Uh-huh. Ras- raspberry. Also, like I say, like I think there's a lot of open opening to make to to make use of Negan's uh, quote unquote benevolent sexism. Like I I really right. don't think he he would see Rosita as a serious threat. Possibly so. Yeah. Although he does have some badass women of his own. Like that one, you know, she's I don't know what she was doing, but the one that uh, Michonne jumped, she looked like she was pretty tough, and she's out uh-huh. there scavenging alone or whatever. So maybe yeah. maybe I'm a little off on that. Um. Anyway, uh, so we're next treated to another crackling Sherry and Dwight sharing a smoke in a stairwell scene. This is literally a rerun of the last time we saw it. Right. The only is this the is end the... of it? She says, you're right, we're not doing anything. And yeah. then she walks out. I think this is the last time they're going to meet in this stairwell. Who, who the fuck is Dwight to give her a guilt trip about the way this is working out? I don't know. I mean, I mean, they're both kind of in this situation. Yes. It's a real shit thing of him to do. Yes, I don't. I think that you know this is a pretty fifty-fifty. If, yeah. if you, if, if and he'd be pretty like maybe it's forty-five, fifty-five. But like for him to to try to pull this shit, you're right, Sherry. You you should have walked out on him, and mm-hmm. she did. So anything else you want to say? Nope. Because I thought this was stupid. Uh, oh, the one. It's even stupider because he says. 
uh, how do you sleep with yourself? And she says, well, how do you? And he goes, I don't. <laughs> I stay up all night watching Tony, Tony Danza. <laughs> right. Like, come, really? You never sleep? You never yeah. sleep? Ever. Mm-mm. Never been up sleeps. for like 30 consecutive days so far. Yep. He decided in solidarity to stay up with Daryl. <laughs> they just been listening to the song over and mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. E- they're both on Easy Street. Nah, pretty dumb scene. Yeah. Uh, Carl wants to put away his eye, but Negan says no. And then Carl says, I've figured out why you haven't killed me or Dad or Daryl. It's because uh, you can't kill us for whatever reason. Either, you know, you've calculated politically or emotionally or you're I, – I, I don't I, I don't know. But Carl's figured out that he's not going to kill him. Supply chain. He can't cut off his supply chain. Could be. Could be. He needs that stuff. Uh, he goes, you know what? Maybe I can't. Let's go for a ride, kid. Uh, so there's a convoy of trucks going out of the Savior Complex. Jesus is very conspicuously on top of them. Uh-huh. No lookout, of which I noted there was numerous in uh-huh. the previous scene. Notice the man sprawling <laughs> against the top of a white u-haul truck <laughs> right no one noticed the messianic figure in the trench coat sprawled atop <laughs> the pickup i i this is colossally stupid i agree like they could have made it like jesus is in a tree on the road outside of it because he followed a syrup trail and he like fucking ninjas on top of it there's a lot of ways they could have made this so, so badass but they did the laziest stupidest thing possible yeah and i don't i guess i don't understand i have no idea where he goes and I know that's the point, uh-huh. is you're supposed to be like, where the fuck did Jesus go? Man, he's a miracle worker. He but, literally is. He's invisible. Right. He must have turned invisible to get off the top of that truck. He must have. And, and then to stay on it. Or I, even to, right, even if he stayed on it. He just hung out there the whole, de- the whole maybe day. Maybe he is invisible. Have we ever considered that we're living in some fantasy world here where zombies exist and Jesus is invisible? Has anyone, well, let me ask you this, has anyone besides Rick... Or Carl acknowledged Jesus. What if Jesus is like a figment of their oh, imagination? It's a Grimes family he's a, he's tradition. A, he's a shared delusion, yep. <laughs> this is their Christmas tradition. Every <laughs> Christmas, Jesus comes to visit. <laughs> and he's a badass Puts ninja. Puts on a beanie, does some parkour, <laughs> teaches him the meaning of Christmas, <laughs> and then fucks off until February. And cuts the bottom out of the booze <laughs> box. Cuts the bottom. Oh, that Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It's like setting out the cookies and milk for Santa. You set out the bottomless... <laughs> Scotch box for Jesus. Guess we got to suck it out of the carpet again this year, kids. <laughs> oh, man, it's so dumb. And, and Daryl is just staring at the top of this truck, just trying to give away <laughs> Jesus' location. Right, right. It's, it's crazy to me. Daryl, you should know better than that. Uh, so Daryl comes, speaking of Daryl, he comes up and says, uh, if, you, if, if you touch him, I'm going to kill you and... Or something. He just says, if you touch him. And Negan says, you know, you seem so worried I'm taking the kid home. Also, you're in timeout. And then he flips him the bird, which, you know, why not? Sure. That actually, that's that's where I'm talking about the desperation. Like, you done, put him in the boxes showing him that you got power over him. Flipping him off almost seems like gives him a little bit too much credit. Okay. Like, not, you know, do, do you see what I'm feeling? I, yeah, you should. You should view him as a non-threat, not worry about how he's right. feeling in that moment. Like, want to make sure that you know that he knows that you know that he knows that you think. <laughs> Negan also just likes to fuck around with people. Like, I guess. I guess. Which, again, I, it makes him seem... It's it's a curious blend, blend of, of clay and iron, this guy. Yeah. 
He's got just these just glaringly ooey gooey marshmallow soft spots, and he's also got these really hard impenetrable parts to him. And it just seems like he'd be a shit show as a leader, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so Daryl gets a note when he's in timeout. It says "Go now," and it contains a match and a key. Uh huh. I think it's a key to a car. Did you think so? Oh, is it? It's like one of those big square be. plastic yeah. Toyota keys from like you know '90s to early 2000s Toyota. Who gave him the key? There are only like two people it could Sherry. be. Okay, I'm Sherry. Thinking. Maybe Dwight. Maybe but I doubt Dwight. It. Yeah. Fat Joseph. Oh, Fat Joe Fat did Joey not appreciate did. getting fucked fucked about with the with the Lucille. And he did leave the door unlocked last time. Yeah, but that was at Negan's behest. Uh, do you, I, I mean, my uh, my thought is that this is mm. an obvious trap. Right. This is going to be exactly the same thing it was before. And if Daryl doesn't jump, uh, doesn't take the bait, then maybe Negan will think that he's got a soldier in the making. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the dumbest woman alive drives up to a big pile of corpses in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. gets out of her car and ponders it for like a full minute, scratching her head and making, Duh, what does this mean? And of course, Am- Michonne steps out of the bushes and ambushes her. That's, yeah. that's from the Greek. Ambush means Michonne ambush, you're stepping out of the bushes. Literally what it means. Can we make a new bald move rule? Yeah. We've got the rule, never talk to the cops. We've got several others. Don't spring the obvious trap? Wait, no, you want to spring the trap. Mm. Well, the person, well, you don't want to as the trappy. I'm just saying that. Like, yeah, I, never get out of the car at a roadblock. You get never. A, you get 100 yards away from this, you back up and get distance and then go another way. Or yeah. look like you go another way and then cut through the woods and try to ambush the ambushers. Right. What you don't do is drive right up on it and just stare at it like, what and the And get fuck? out of your car? Why? Well, I called her the dumbest woman alive for a reason. I uh, mean, unless your plan is to move these bodies, which I could see, but maybe scope the sitch for a sec. Right. Right. It'd be, I would Before I would that. have loved to seen a scene where Michonne's in the woods with her sword, like, yeah, it's like like Wiley Coyote style, uh-huh. and she just kind of dips to the edge of the road and drives around. It doesn't in her really four-wheeler. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, like four-by-four yeah, okay. four off-road vehicle. Yes, why <laughs> she, not? Was she in a four, four-wheeler? I think so. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, that would have been, been some funny shit. It would have been. Anyway, uh, she Michonne says, you got to take me to Negan. Uh, this dumbest woman alive proves her worth once again by trying to get the upper hand on fucking Michonne. <laughs> Does and not work. Of course it doesn't work because, I mean, I know she doesn't know she's Michonne. Sure, yeah. But we do. Good laughs all around. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to Olivia. Uh, for whatever reason, Negan goes straight to Olivia and asks where Rick is, and she says that he's gone, and then she starts tr- guilt-tripping him, saying, you took so much, we're practically starving, and he gets to make another fat joke at her expense. Mm-hmm. Feels and, very bad about it. And she sobs and says, I'm sorry for being rude, but I think it would be enjoyable for us to for me to screw your brains out right now. Uh-huh. Slaps him, and he says, I'm 50% more into you. So, whatever, creep. Uh, he then right. says, make me some damn lemonade. I left you some of that good powdered stuff. And when she goes off to do that, Carl takes him on tour. And they have like what can only be described as a whimsical buddy montage of them touring the, the Grimes residence and throwing darts. And then he finds Judith. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird montage. Yes. The tone of it. Because it does seem like Carl is kind of turning around to, oh, you scoundrel territory. Right. And, and if that's, that's the way they're going, it felt really too soon. Yeah. The, like, and there was nothing in there that told me that Carl should be feeling this way. Yeah. Like, at, 
Negan showed him nothing that I think would have made him think, oh, yes, this is a superior alternative to my father's way of getting stuff done. Yeah. They needed, like, a, I don't know, a Halo montage or something where they're both playing the Xbox. And, yeah. And, you know, Carl's got it up on him, and, like, Negan's getting pissed, and then Negan gets in a couple of good headshots, and Carl's reluctantly respecting him now then they by the end they're high-fiving and yeah he gets he gets him just pushing back the flood 60 degree mlg no scope snipe and like right respect respect maybe maybe you do maybe you are cooler than my dad uh he picks up judith and like my heart is in my throat because this is i first of all i don't know what what you do as rick when you come home and you see this there's no real good response you've got a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of bad choices to pick from and also, you're going to be jacked with emotion and adrenaline and rage when you're trying to do it. So, yep. good luck with that, Rick. <laughs> and also, Negan, if you don't want to have to kill Rick, why do you keep provoking him in this way? Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be safer ways to provoke a man than, like, stealing his baby. Anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I I think it's interesting, um, the setup here. I kind of like it. I, I want to see what happens with this and how Rick reacts and what, Negan's end goal is here with the baby. I thought this would be a perfect way to end the episode, honestly. Like you be Negan finds Judith end because oh oh instead of the coming back the for suburb a second stuff. scene made it a little like it the second scene not, was not as powerful as the initial uh, reveal and somehow mm-hmm. sapped some strength from the first reveal too. Huh. Okay. I I guess I didn't feel that way, but I can see why you might. All right. Well, again, uh, Negan also impressed by running water. I guess they don't have that over at the power plant. They have unlimited power, but they don't have... Palpatine-style unlimited power. Right, but they don't have the running water. Uh, Interesting. Do they have unlimited power? I assume so. I I mean, surely the the power plant is not actually operating. You need more than a a crew full of bloodthirsty savages to run a power plant. There there is a quarry somewhere nearby. Now, I know that's rocks, typically, (laughs) and not coal. But the new it, clean burning coal, it, they, they run rocks. right off granite. Yep. Yeah, pure granite and limestone. Just but it makes up. me think maybe they're they're near enough some coal that they could keep that thing going. <laughs> sure, uh, maybe have a lot of batteries. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that was they generated so much power before the apocalypse. It's still just winding down. Sure, the turbines are just still slow, and then it's enough to power a couple of hours of who's the boss each night. Yep. Rick and Aaron descend deeper into the woods and find a crazy man who has written a crazy sign where he's boasting about his proficiency in a .22 Luger and an AR-15, I think, and he's a crack shot at 70 yards. Like, okay. Um, but bottom line, he gets to the end and says, if you're still alive and you read this, it means I'm dead and help yourself, you sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. And Rick and Aaron are all like, don't mind if we do. Uh, we see a cool houseboat in like a lake that's acting like a moat full of zombies, and it's really cool. And like I said in the intro, yeah. I wish we saw more of this shit. Like mm-hmm. last week's episode, the disaster with Tara, I really like the whole bridge layout, and the I wish I knew more about that and what was going on. Like I think that stuff is the fascinating part about this stage of the zombie apocalypse, and why we don't get to see more of like, you know. Uh, the HGTV style zombie apocalypse living. Okay. You know, like sure. they, they seem to resist and, and the things that they show most of the time are so stupid and lazy that it's like irritating. Yeah. This was actually a cool setup and I can't wait to see them trying to break into it. 
Uh, Rosita now has her bullet, her fucking single bullet, which she thanks Eugene for and apologizes. And he doesn't have any of that shit, which I thought was entirely appropriate. That's the way you play that. Doesn't have any of that shit? Yeah, he's oh, not, he's oh, not, he's take, not taking her apology. Yeah, yep. yeah. He's like, take that apology and shove where the uh, sun don't shine. Because you meant it, and I know you did. Yep. And now you just want to feel good about yourself, and I'm not going to give you that. <laughs> sure. Uh, I don't know why he found his spine here instead of back with the whole when he could have in his power, you know, because he's enabled her to do something phenomenally stupid and probably ineffective. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time overlooking that. And he's going to have to deal with the consequences. Yep. Yep. Uh, Spencer has made a mega haul because of this guy's meticulous Roman notes, and he's found medical supplies, water purifiers, and he's going to turn them all over to Negan. And Rosita seems shocked and dismayed by this, and he goes, and more, which we don't find out what he's talking about because he's interrupted when we find the saviors are already there at Alexander. He does get to finish the sentence. What do you think he's talking about? He's going to do all this and more. What is the and more? Uh, he's going to volunteer to be one of Negan's wives. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, ha- you know, with your skin tone, Negan, you could really benefit from a solid foundation. And some eyeliner would make <laughs> That's your what eyes he's going to do. Yep. He's going to give him a makeover. Mary Kate, yeah. Yes. He's going he's gonna to maximize his uh, his skill set. He need to dye his beard. It's sure. gonna be. He's going to look 10 years younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Think of how much more action he'll get from his slave wives right. if he's got, like, you know, a dyed beard. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's makeover time for Negan. Mm. Okay, that's plausible and more. Uh, Negan's sitting on the front porch with Judith and Carl, and he's saying how much he likes it here, and he might have to stay. And he's like, you know what, Carl? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should kill you and your dad and bury you right here in the flower beds and just settle out here in the suburbs. And on that chilling note, we end the episode. Yep. Uh, yeah, him bouncing Judith on his knee is pretty fucking pretty fucking chilling. It opens up whole other levels of pathological psychopath uh, type behavior that he could employ to keep. Yep. Like if if if. Negan thought he had an in with Daryl and Carl having someone's three-year-old daughter. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. That's I'm, all I'm, kinds of, like, you can make Rick do anything at this point. Yep. Um, so that's it. That's 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 the episode. Hey, here's the point in the podcast where I tell you how you can support Paul Move. And don't wait, I got some new stuff. I got, don't, before you hit fast forward, this is oh. a brand new pitch that is enabled because we just updated our club software. Uh, you now, for brand new club members can sign up and get a free month of Club Bald Move. You can just have a smorgasbord. We got this Christmas thing we're doing right now where we're doing live watches and special podcasts about badass Christmas movies like Rocky Four and Home Alone. Or wait, not Home Alone. No, no, no. Home Alone actually is a badass Die Christmas hard. film. Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, next week's Jingle All the Way, and we have a, a mystery one on, on uh, coming out on Christmas. Uh, not just that, all the lunches, all of our quips, all of our playthroughs, you can sign up, and it's one of those. It's one of those classic. Sign up and get a free trial, but we got your credit card, and we're hoping that you'll forget, <laughs> cancel, and we we'll get. I got four or five months for like, right. damn it, they haven't even been doing The Walking Dead, and I've been paying for four hours. This is bullshit. <laughs> like we're 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 really leaning into that. So uh, yeah. buyer beware, cancel that shit as soon as as soon as you 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 got why the getting's good, or 
you know, help support independent podcasting. Yeah. Uh, if, if you like it, if you like what we're putting out. Stick around, maybe check out some of our other shows if you're just a Walking Dead listener. Yeah, yeah. But you can you can try before you buy, technically, mm-hmm. with the new club software. And also, it's just got a lot of improvements. You actually wrote a nice little tool to help people subscribe to podcasts more automatically. It's way easier to get the ad-free feeds now. Yeah, yeah on your mobile device, you can just, like, it'll build the string. You just pop it in there and yep. uh um so we've made a lot we, we've taken this to the save bald move money we made some smart investments and and and, and uh made it a sweeter deal for everybody and, and more easy to get in so if if that sounds like a good idea go to support.baldmove.com and check out the club um and yeah we do appreciate uh, your support because we couldn't do it without you thank you very much i'm assuming we had a bit of feedback we had yeah. a lot of feedback about people, um, opinions on whether or not we should continue doing curious, this podcast. Because I don't, I don't. Uh, now that you're processing the feedback, I've shunted all that into a subfolder because I've got my hands quite full with Westworld at the moment. Yeah. Uh, what is the what? What's your read of the consensus? Like, what? I mean, I, obviously, this isn't the whole part of the discussion. But what are the right? What are the quote unquote fans of The Walking Dead <laughs> want us to do? Uh, so most people really don't want us to quit doing it. Even, really? Even the people who have themselves quit watching the show, they still and I like... feel like you're putting you're putting a lot on us. You're you're asking a lot of of look coming look, from man, people who aren't watching. I'm not willing to shovel the dog shit. Right. But I would hate to get rid of the dog. Yeah. If you could keep shoveling the dog shit, that would be really cool. <laughs> right. Really cool. <laughs> it feels a lot like that from some people. But the most people were saying, like, yeah, we watch the show, and we, we still want you to cover it. And, uh, you know, so that was the, the majority of the sentiment. Some others were just like, yeah, fucking do it. Just drop the show. It's not good, and you guys clearly aren't enjoying it, and that kind of stuff. So... See, I dispute that. I felt like up until this season that, with with rare exceptions, I have enjoyed my time in The Walking Dead, and I've always vigorously refuted anyone that accuses me of hating the show. Mm-hmm. The last few episodes have kind of really got to me, and I guess that's the thing. Like, if I, I we wouldn't even have this discussion if the show was just terrible in a way that we enjoyed covering, right. or that we thought were still ways we could uniquely point out things about what the show is going wrong. I mean, I don't know, like. I don't want to overreact. And the other thing I'm worrying about is like next fall, like if we didn't have Westworld right now, right. And we weren't covering The Walking Dead. What the hell? I guess we could have covered Atlanta. That would have been kind of cool mm-hmm. or insecure or some of the other awesome stuff that's been out. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's not an obvious like what would we be covering right now if not for The Walking Dead and the windfall yeah. that was Westworld. And Westworld's not coming back next year. Not at, Certainly not at the same time. Yeah. Certainly not. Actually, fall. yeah, not. Like not HBO is saying, like totally May of 2018 is when they're kind of guessing. Right. Yeah. So, which I I don't know where it leaves us. We're definitely still going to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, but we have heard your input, and we will take it under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> the dog shoveling will continue throughout next week, at least. At least. Uh, all right. Let's get into actual feedback. Feedback. Watching dead at baldmove.com. Yes. Uh, Dan B starts off. He says, "Hey guys, I'm continuing to hear about how bad the writing in the show is getting. You're hearing about it, so you're one of the people not watching the show, but making us watch it and then tell you about it." Okay, that's a shovel shirker if I've ever heard one. Uh, he says, "This podcast, you point out the size of the sand pile compared to the trucks, the placement of the trucks on the bridge, how how was Terra spotted? No mention of water waterside. I think he means oceanside or ocean mm-hmm. view." Mm-hmm. 
other than a sign, etc. I agree with all these major holes, but then we move right on to talk about how the writers could intentionally drop little hints and conspiracies like Daryl blinking in Morse code to reference a chalkboard. Who notices this stuff, and how can these be the same writers? So he's essentially saying, like, you know, they overlook so much stuff, and then if if the Morse code thing is to be believed, they're now placing, like, these very, like, subtle hints into things. And I actually think you can you can miss the forest for the trees with those sorts of things. No, like, as, as let's go so granular that we don't pay attention to the big things. I think that's an easy trap to fall into. As an aspiring hack writer myself, I will say that it's very easy to be in the shower and be like, "Oh, I got this awesome idea, Morse code." Fucking Abraham probably knew Morse code. Blah blah blah. And then and and to shoehorn that into like you know we're going to reveal the and and uh, we're going to reveal this Morse code thing and start bleeding breadcrumbs. That's the easy part. Right. The hard part is then weaving that into a story and making it feel like something that's earned and also by and continuing to service the characters and mm-hmm. service your location and service the plot. Those are the hard things. Like if like you know it's always like uh when people uh. People say, oh, I got this brilliant idea to do whatever, and, and, and like a, a true entrepreneur would be ideas are worth bullshit. Ideas are worth nothing because 99% of everything is in execution. Right. Ideas are easy to come by. It's execution, and the execution part is the actual meat and potatoes of writing that this show struggles with. Yep. So I, to me, that seems – if I'm a hack amateur writer, that's exactly the kind of shit that I would expect to, 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 to come up with on my first couple forays into doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Mandy H. says, and I don't usually indulge too much in uh, theorizing on this show, but here we go. So it was pointed out in the in a podcast I was listening to that Heath and Tara, a different Walking Dead podcast, not ours. Sure. That Heath and Tara took the RV they were driving from the satellite savior base. And let me be clear, she doesn't mention the name of the podcast. Otherwise, I would shout them out. Mm. Uh I think Heath stuck around, and the Saviors recognized the RV after being drawn by gunfire and came upon Heath. A fight ensued. A Savior lost his key card, the one labeled the PPP there, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, would make a fair amount of sense that it was a Savior key card, because I doubt Heath is carrying a key card around. Right. Uh, which will end up being the name of a labeled gate some at, at one of the compounds. At my employer, we have the same key cards, and we have several entrances labeled with numbers or letters so we can direct visitors. I... How many visitors do you think the the saviors have oh, just, in a given week? Just there's so so many. They have yeah. tour guides, and, and this is our branding iron. <laughs> and this is the famous Lucille. No, you can't touch it. This is my harem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, I believe the saviors will come back to Alexandria with Heath and kill him, which will allow the actor to exit and become the new Jack Bauer. Which I guess has he been tapped for that? Is that something we know about? Oh yeah, yeah. He's okay. he's starring the new. Kiefer, Kieferless 24. Right. That comes out in January this year? Oh, Next year? damn. Okay. Uh, this way, Tara will know what happened to Heath. Rosita will use this as an opportunity to recruit her into the rebellion and through surveillance uh, by Carl or Jesus, maybe. Either a name that has the initials of PPP will be revealed or some sort of map showing a PPP gate or entrance. Tara will realize, oh my god, I literally hold the keys to entering the Savior Compound. Holy shit, this is some theory on top of theory on top of theory at this point. <laughs> I know. But the, what? The, so I, the kernel of of the thing that I like about this is the PPP, right? Like this idea that this is an, a key to some kind of gate 
or well, some kind of entrance into the compound. And and, and, and and the idea that it will boomerang and Tara will not realize what she has until she does. Right. And and also, if I could be bothered to remember the distinctive names they gave all the entrances into it's it was right. one one was like the blind fairy, one was uh-huh. the mothman, the and turtleneck entrepreneur. And one yep. was the hard way. <laughs> And okay. I wonder, like, if I if I had those at my fingertips, if one of them would fit into. Obvious, I think if someone if something fit into the PPP, somebody would have made that connection before me. But yeah, they also, I mean, they also introduced the concept of these distinctive entrances. And I think like the fry was the the friar that they passed. Was that one of the ones referenced? I don't know. Yeah. That that's got to be that's got to be something that's going somewhere. It has to be. Yeah, I mean, like even by amateur hack standards, that's like something you want to establish. Sure. Jason H. has another theory. He says maybe the card says PVP is an access card to P-something power plant. Plymouth power plant. Oh, that Contigo would make power plant. The power, yeah, all you got to do is one other P. You got the, you got the, right. the, the, you got the trailing P's accounted for, power plant. Yeah, it's possible. Or it could be a pizza place. Pizza, says, pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fourth. Uh, we're going to have a – it's going to be the Savior's the Hilltop, the Kingdom, <laughs> Alexander's Safe Zone, and Pete's Pizza Palace. Yeah. Literally, it's just a little Caesars. <laughs> Negan's straight agreement with them is that he gets to spend an hour in a ball pit every time he comes. That's that's all he wants. <laughs> yep. Uh, he says it doesn't make any sense right now, but JSS didn't either. True. By the way, I'm tired of cryptic acronyms. Yeah, that's the other point. Is like yeah. I just don't give a shit because right. they they have not. This is not a layered clue and a progressive thing. This is just some bullshit they've introduced into the plot, and I will care about it when it starts making sense. Okay. Jcar says in your podcast for the Terracentric episode, Aaron noted that The Walking Dead has a tendency for overstretching arcs and transforming small number of comic book issues into a greater number of episodes, meaning that today we still have around fifty issues behind the comic book. It occurred to me that the reason like for 80. this. Is it more like 80? I think so. Oh, God. Uh, he's, he goes on, it occurred to me that the reasoning for this could be Kirkman's reluctance for The Walking Dead to ever go the way of Game of Thrones and have the television format overtake the comics. No, you're right. It's 60. My fault. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Kirkman strikes me as the kind of guy who would relish keeping his plans for the future of The Walking Dead away from Gimple and AMC. So what do you think of the idea of him being the driving force for the slow pacing of large amounts of this season? Essentially, he's saying, like, you know he he enjoys the control of the story, and that by keeping them in the dark and slowing down the pace of the show to never catch the comics, he can continue to enjoy that. I just don't understand because that that's a perfectly plausible theory. But here's the problem: he bastardizes his own plots. Uh huh. So like, what kind of purity is he trying to me? And I've heard no, he's never came out and explained this, but I've heard everyone theorize about like why he does that thing. Is he trying to surprise? Is he trying to keep the surprise for the comic book fans? And I've always pointed out like, look at the readership of The Walking Dead. It's like hovers around a hundred thousand, eleven plus million people watch this. Like that's really fucking stupid to tell an inferior version of your plot to to save a hundred thousand people's sense of surprise. Right. Uh, also, maybe Kirkman himself is bored telling the same story. He wants to make improvements. That's plausible, but then mm-hmm. it seems like the best thing to do is to go ahead and go past the comic book and start telling your own story. Mm-hmm. Like, just diverge the two. I Nothing really fits all of the facts of why he's doing that, except for he just cash and checks and doesn't care. Like, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he sees <laughs> the comic know. book as his baby. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's that's all me. I don't have to share any credit with any of these other cocknobblers. And it's just like that's just me. Like it's like you know, like if if you look at how he viewed his artist collaborations, like that you know, he's gotten into big public battles with Tony Moore over. Right. You know, who's more to credit for the creation and success of the comics and all that stuff? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to believe. What do you think? Yeah, I I don't I I guess I never like trying to speak to the personality of someone because I don't know know what they're like. But I if, if it were me, let's start off with that. If it were me, I could certainly see reveling in the idea that you control the story, regardless of, you know, what rights you've signed away to AMC to make this show. Ultimately, you're telling the story through your comic, and they kind of have to follow your lead. Right. And I could see a scenario in which I might be tempted to slow things down. But once you see this negative reaction that you're having from all your fans, where every season they're just like, this is too slow. This is too slow. Why are we still at the prison? Why are we taking so long on the Sneegan plot line. You need to you need to listen to what the people are telling you, I think. Yeah, but that's the other thing about Kirkman. He's a stubborn son of a bitch, and he's a well, bit of a troll. Yeah. So, like, okay. I don't know that he even... That's the kind of thing. I mean, because I... From my perspective, what I've noticed is when I have something that's successful and more successful than something else, I tend to, to spend more time and, and effort onto the thing that's the more successful version, right? Seems like a smart move. So, like, if I were Kirkman, I would think that I would, you know, be caring more about the thing that, like, 12 million people and is probably giving me, you know, crazy, godlike, fuck you money than I would the little indie comic book, but... Again, he's a curmudgeon and kind of a, a, a goofball and a troll, so I don't I don't know how he thinks. Okay. Uh let's get some some perspective from another podcast as well. Maybe some insight on how people are feeling in general about this show. Mark S says, Anytime there's an episode I hate of The Walking Dead, I listen to James Frazier's Walker Stalker podcast to see what the diehard fans are saying. <laughs> to my surprise, James touched all of the hot button issues from declining ratings that he no longer. Really? Yep. Since lowest since season three. Uh, yeah, they're down to like ten and a half million now. It's it's really getting low. Uh, that he no longer feels like his must watch TV, and even going so far as to speculate as to if AMC would fire uh, Scott Gimple at the end of the season to change the repetitive nature of the show. Whoa! <laughs> right, and I mean this is this is the guy who obviously. St- one of the guys who started the Walker Stalker yes. convention. Yes, where so, they're very cozy with uh, uh, the, 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 the creative. Exactly, forces. yeah. And, and you know, has a lot invested in the idea of The Walking Dead and the, the future success of The Walking Dead. Right. So for him to actually be out there saying these things, I think is really a, a pretty good gauge yeah, no, of I'm how honestly, the general audience is feeling. I'm honestly surprised. I noticed that because, like, I think that, like, I, I use Jason and Karen over at the Walking Dead cast as kind of my barometer. And I right. I haven't listened to anything but the first episode of theirs this season, which they, you know, obviously that was uh, – um, a pretty good episode and like a pretty satisfying if you're willing to be charitable of the with the show at all but just reading like their blog posts i was skimming through and it seems like they're kind of in the same kind of thing like they're a fan first podcast and it seems like they if, if they got the pulse of the fan like the average fan is kind of 
bewildered and confused and angry about what's going on with their show. Absolutely. Which is funny because like last night I noticed on Reddit the it seems like the um the prevailing opinion is this is this is straight from the comic books, pure unadulterated walking dead goodness. Like this is a return to form. So I don't know because I again I, I noticed that a good eighty percent of this episode is ripped right from the comics. Yeah, and the I think good, that's a good thing. And right. and this episode largely worked. Right, uh, like I said, it was it was decent to good. So yeah, I I don't know. I mean, of course they're going to be stinkers, and, and they're they're stretching out a season longer than it needs to be, and these plot lines longer than Which, there's no fucking, they need to be. Like even if even if even if Kirkman was afraid for them to catch up, like this is the time. Like if you're going to let the floodgates open, like Kirkman doubled. During the, the the meat of the Negan storyline, he doubled his output to two comic episodes a, uh, uh, a month because he knew that this was, like, straight fire and he wanted to keep that stuff going. Right. So why pump the brakes? Yeah. Like, you, you know, you're already five years of average Walking Dead ahead of the fucking Walking Dead. Burn a little fucking content, man. <laughs> right. Like, shore up these flagging ratings. This is, like, a self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Yeah, but it's interesting, you know, to take kind of measure the the temperature of the fan community by the podcast because, you know, in as much as the show is this juggernaut with twelve million viewers and the comic has a hundred thousand, podcasts are in the same boat or in the same boat, right? I mean, you know, at the height of Walking Dead, you get a hundred thousand downloads if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the show is getting twelve, a hundred and twenty times at whatever. It's getting way, right. way more viewers. So right. clearly, we are not the tastemakers as far as what people, whether or not people watch this. No, but I do think our audience is representative of the most impassioned fans. Sure. So, like, yeah. if you start losing them, that's when the ratings start not eroding, but start crumbling. And we've seen like this this thing well, I'm premiered not even, at like yeah. seventeen to eighteen million people watching it, right. and it's down to ten and a half. Yeah. That's pretty like a lot of people seem like they were tuning into that season premiere with like I'm giving you one last shot and then yeah. like nope gone. And I don't know how many right. people those guys will binge on Netflix and I mean there's so many different ways to engage with fans nowadays, but I don't know. Like if I'm an executive, I wouldn't exactly be, you know, cigars and scotches all around the office on a day like today. Sure. Definitely. Uh yeah, I mean I I don't necessarily think the podcasts are super representative of the hardcore fan. I think, yes, oh, really? there, there are a lot of hardcore fans, and probably if you're listening to a podcast on the show, you are a hardcore fan. Okay. But I That's... don't think it's limited to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think there are far more people out there reading BuzzFeed articles. And, no, you're, and you're, you're right. Just reading blog you, posts You can't stuff. say, you know, ev- it, it's, you're right. It's yeah, not, ev- everyone that listens to a podcast is by definition a fan, but not every fan listens to a podcast. Sure. Right, right. Uh, okay, let's move on to Doug J, who has an interesting, albeit uh, un, unproved, untested theory on <laughs> how they're they're creating this show. Okay, and and I'm mostly reading this because I would love some insight. If someone knows how they're making this show, like the production wise, uh, please tune in or please chime in on this email next time. Mm-hmm. But Doug J says, in a traditional show, they produce each episode essentially in serial. Each episode goes through several stages. Um, that are staggered by the time episode one wraps. Episode two may still be in editing. Episode three is in filming. Episode four, pre-production. 
and on and on. Right. Uh, this provides consistency across writing teams, directors, and overall consistency of vision and technique. Sufficient, too. Well, he's getting to that. Ah. If something unplanned slash unexpected happens in episode two, a particular camera angle the director comes up with, or some ad lib dialogue, they can feed that into future episodes. It gives the creative team incredible flexibility. Uh, then he goes on, I'd bet good money that the Walking Dead schedule is nothing like that. By constantly isolating characters from one another, they're able to produce entire episodes simultaneously. Mm. They get the whole crew together for the premiere, then split off, split everyone off so they can film the Carol Morgan episode, the Daryl episode, the Maggie Sasha episode, and the Tara Heath episode all at the same time. Right. That's why you have second and third string directors on the weaker episodes. The A-team directors are already working on the bigger episodes. Hmm. It also means they're locked in to scripts early on. They can't cross-pollinate future episodes because they're all being done at the same time, and then everything just becomes disjointed, and the show suffers creatively. I don't know. I mean, that's if that is, in fact, happening, I could see that causing problems. Well, I also see, like, this episode is credited to two writers, uh-huh. and it's, like, a supersized episode, and I wonder if there was... Sometimes I see that as evidence of them taking two episodes that they meant to thread in a different way and kind of shoving them together. Sure. Um, and that's evidence of also like post fact screwing around with the timeline and when <laughs> episodes air and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, no, that's 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 plausible. It's very plausible. And it could just be a consequence of too many episodes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going back to this idea that everything is just rushed. They don't have time to properly do this because they're pumping out effectively 19 20 episodes a season yeah that puts a lot of strain on the writers the directors everyone yeah and i mean other shows struggle that too because you've you know there's been game of thrones seasons where they tried to shove 10 pounds of game of thrones to a five pound game of thrones bag because they're locked into this we could only ever do 10 episodes and probably for good logistical reasons on that like that's kind of like they're they could do less but they can't really do more Mm um i don't know like i I have no idea, and I don't think it's one thing. Like last week, I was beating the thing about the, the executives, but I, I think it's probably there's enough blame to go around. Right? It's the fault of the producers. It's the fault of the directors. It's the fault of the writers. It's the fault of the suits. It's it's, and it's also you know the one guy who has that just should have the passion and should be like the Vince Gilligan of this joint would be Robert Kirkman saying like, you guys have to fucking hit these points. And he, and he, for whatever reason, either doesn't care or, you know, it, this is the only show on the golden age of television that I'm aware of that doesn't have that singular creative force. That's ensuring that there is a consistent feel and look and theme and story to these episodes. Right. Every other one has a showrunner who is, you know, takes responsibility for shaping this world and, and all that. Whereas this, it's like, you know, the big three. Yeah. But the big three have, you know, the only, you've had Kirkman and Nicotero being the only consistent, consistent. And they're not even the quote unquote show runner. That's Scott Gimple. I don't hmm. know. It's, it's a damned, it's a damned weird situation <laughs> because even, even in its declining phase, this show is making so much fucking money. There's so many commercials last night. Yeah. And so many, like, long takes of commercials, like two-minute trailers for games and movies and, like, shit that you have to pay primo dollars for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 wacky. Yeah, and then they're also doing some weird, like, 
go to this website and use our AMC promo code for Shutter, which yeah, I'd never heard of. That was weird. a weird are we commercial. Gonna see, go, are we going to see AMC stumping for like Loot Crate? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to go to HelloFresh next. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it was really weird. They start to see selling that. Casper mattresses. Yeah, you know, I'm filing trademark infringement. You can't. <laughs> that's that's our gig, right? Official, they'll do stay, an officially you, unofficial you, commercial. You, you stay away from Harry's and Casper, goddammit. <laughs> Unless you're willing to give us Hyundai. Fair trade. We'll I trade think, Casper yeah. and Harry's for Hyundai. Yeah. That's my final offer. <laughs> That's like giving Vermont for boardwalk. <laughs> I don't know. All right, Krista D says, maybe I missed something, but how many RVs did the Alexandrians have access to? I thought they only had one. But Tara and Heath took one out on a run. Then there's the one that Rick and company have before, during, after the Negan encounter. Uh, that That's fair. I mean, there are at least two there. Yeah. I mean, look, they're driving box trucks. There's so many fucking box trucks. Tons of them, yeah. Tons of them. And, like, you, I'd, I'd prize the ones that are, like, running on diesel because you can, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, those things will run for a significantly longer time on, you can run them on vegetable oil if you have to, mm-hmm. but like, I don't have like, I don't have a single problem with them showing them having a bunch of nondescript box trucks. That feels legit to me. Okay. So even if they don't have them readily available, there's a million in every fucking town you live in. It's true. I mean, hey, yeah, next time you're out driving the road, just check out how many fucking box trucks there are in the world. Tons. Tons yeah. of them. She also had a problem with, uh, Something else. She says Oceanside is very much still in the U.S. Tara did not drift down across the Atlantic and land in the tropics, so why on earth is there bamboo literally everywhere in that community? <laughs> Where was that filmed? Uh, it had to be filmed in Georgia, I mean, right? You can draw. You can grow bamboo in the growing season of any place. So Sure. I think. But yeah, that is a little weird. It is. I didn't notice it, but. A little Gilligan's Isle. Yeah. A little stagey. Uh, I thought this was funny. Beverly B says, my husband was pontificating about how ridiculous it was that it had been so many weeks since we had seen Tara. And then we have a whole episode just about her, about these long absences of characters, um, and how it's killing the show and destroying the pace. It was a two week trip and we hadn't seen her in months. I said, well, in fairness, the actress was pregnant. This gave him pause. He thought a moment. And then he said, is Rick pregnant too? (laughs) 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 <laughs> fair sure. sure how about uh, morgan and carol yeah yeah morgan's I mean, definitely pregnant. you realize we're now six episodes since the last time we've seen those fuckers it's crazy i yeah i'm not i'm not sure what's going on but the pacing is way off on this show aaron s says if you guys were in complete creative control what changes would you make to fix the show uh number one i would go out and hire world-class writers that i've been yeah. huge I'd, I'd fire scott gimple i would bring in i don't know who would who'd be a good fit for running the show try to get the guy that like did season one of daredevil i'd and bring in kinda... sam raimi bring in sam raimi let you know him what? take the that's reins not because it would go gonzo but it would be fun yeah yeah um i don't know what you do about kirkman because he's there to stay at nicotero and he's fine right but, like the, the easiest thing you could do is just hire world-class writers that have been in writer writing rooms of proven hits uh, uh boardwalk empire guy tara what's his name Terrence Terrence winters, winters? Yeah. yeah um get get somebody like that and someone competent to run the show and then you then say the rule number one is we are going to get the pacing. We are, this is a fucking show about running from zombies. Yeah. 
this slow plotting pace we can like breaking bad it could like have your pulses pounding and build characters then by god a zombie show can too we are not putting yeah. up with this mealy mouth pacing and oh hey, or it's just it's, it's done it's mm-hmm. done and like i don't know if you even got to go to like a 13 episode like a like a six and six season or a seven and seven season like mm-hmm. i think that's part of the problem like who the fuck is watching wanting to watch a zombie f- American Horror was so much better with 10 episodes, mm-hmm. not running into December, because, like, I'm done with zombies after the fall. Sure. And yeah. I think, like, if this was a six-episode season, and then you come back with another six if you want, yeah. like, I, I do think, now, the AMC would be kicking and screaming, because that's, you know, that's like taking away the NFL owners' preseason games. Yeah, they're garbage, right. but, but they they're garbage money. that they make money on. Yeah. On pre- it's, you know, season passes and shit. It's It's... It's, it's, it's obviously anti-fan, but it's pro-money, so it's going it, to happen. But it's the definition of killing the killing the golden goose. I mean, that's... Yeah, and coincidentally, NFL ratings are like, you know, they've ignored a lot of structural problems in the league and safety concerns, and coincidentally, uh, uh, it's led to really shitty football being played and increasingly fans not watching it. So right. I think that you got the, 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 the cure for all this is better writing, and better pacing, and you know mm-hmm. the acting is fine. The production, the the special yeah. effects are fine. Like, right? They've got a lot of the pieces in place. They just, the, it seems to me, the big the big glaring problem is the suits and the writers. Sure. So yeah, he. I mean, Aaron S. largely wanna, agrees with you about the the ten episode season though, or right. or a shortened season, right? And then then like if you then you, then you you plow some money into some some directors. Uh-huh. Uh, get rid of some of these only Walking Dead guys that have had like now six or seven bites at the apple and still crap into bed. Get rid of them and get and, and bring on some hired guns. Yeah, bring in Michelle McLaren. Let her do her thing. Right, and Alan Taylor, and like you know, go raid Game of Thrones. Like it's going to be wrapping up pretty soon. Ryan or... Johnson, bring him in. Sure. I mean, that would be a crazy episode, <laughs> right? But but you know, I I and I know the Walking Dead can get that talent because they've got the, they've done it before. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony M. says, There have only been three good episodes for me this season. Four if you count Daryl Torture episode, which I really love because fuck Daryl. <laughs> but I know wow. it's not really a good episode. Yeah, harsh words for Daryl. Harsh Darryl. words for Daryl. is like he went from, he went from if Daryl dies, we riot to fuck Daryl in like three seasons. Like, right? <laughs> uh, I wish he would have had his arm cut off. Anyway, what do you guys think uh, are... Who do you guys think are dead next week for the mid-season finale? Do you think there's got to be a shocking death? Who who would it be if Aaron had to pick? Rosita and a failed coup on uh, Negan. Okay. Because I could see her doing something rash and impetuous, and that would actually do some interesting things for um, Eugene's character uh-huh. uh, and might propel him to some kind of form of Eugene greatness. I mean, I could see that happening. But honestly... Yeah. Uh, maybe Sherry Dwight's wife die. Like, I I don't think you're going to see a big name die because they kind of really shot their wad at the beginning of the season. I think they sure. feel like they are a okay in that department. Yeah. So Spencer, maybe Rick just beat Spencer, Spencer to death for yeah, raising his hand against him because he already. I mean, if you <laughs> Rick. if you introduce the idea, oh, if you ever man. step to me, I'm beating you to death. Uh huh. And you don't address that in this in the the same half season like that feels like so maybe Spencer, those, those okay. seem to make sense. Yeah, just a cold blooded bludgeoning. Yeah. yeah, right in front of the townspeople, similar yeah. to Negan. Yeah, and like I could see Negan actually respecting that too, because like huh. you're finally learning the lessons I'm trying to tell you, to teach you. 
Yeah, I'd be fine if Spencer went. Yeah, Spencer. Spencer needs to go. Yeah. Spencer needs to go. <laughs> All right. Steve from Tennessee says, what happened to the dead walker hunter in the tree? Why did he leave supply caches all over the place? Why did he write a, write a note about where they are? Why was the note in fucking Latin? Uh, He's a survival man. Questions. Have you watched any of these survival shows? They're yeah. all kooky. Sure. Like, I'm kooky. I mean, I'm I mean, one of them. They're kooky before the apocalypse happens. Can you imagine if the apocalypse did happen? Before I had a kid, my I had a fantasy of, like, moving into, like, a Trident missile base in, yeah. like, fucking Montana and, like, Just setting it up cool. like a James Bond villain lair. Like, I get it. I've got that gene. Like, right. there's something deeply satisfying laying canned goods and ammunition and setting booby traps and drawing plans and mapping <laughs> right. out your property and, like, all that shit you love to do as an eight-year-old boy. It never goes away. It gets beat out of you by taxes and jobs. <laughs> and fucking <laughs> shitty TV dramas, but it never goes away. So I understand. Right. So like when zombies come up and and and, and everything's you can do whatever you want, like fucking start doing Leonardo da Vinci shit, writing stuff in backwards and decoding with a mirror and <laughs> you know, start doing rot thirteen Caesar ciphers and whatever right. this guy's fucking he's the one guy that's a deer hunter, a fat deer hunter that can read Latin, so by God he's gonna code all of his notes. <laughs> All right. That's the uh, least uh, inexplicable thing about this show, man. That's a pretty good rant. I'm just <laughs> going to leave you. it there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he also asked about why Spencer went running off into the woods, but we kind of talked about that. So let's move on to Anthony P., who says, I watched a show where all I could see was the writers pulling the strings, talking about last episode. The moment Carl decided not to shoot Negan after stating that that as his sole intention, I was out. Everything seemed arbitrary. All the character choices seemed inauthentic. I saw scenes and heard words, but all I really saw was fake invented drama. Here's a kid who saw two of his friends brutally murdered, his father broken, his community robbed dry, and has spent a full day committed to a suicide mission with one goal, and he doesn't follow through for seemingly no reason. Inexcusable. I agree. Like, like yeah. And we, like, in three seasons ago, we would have spent 15 minutes breaking down how what a betrayal that is to the audience and how yeah. stupid they think we are. Yeah. Now we know they think we're stupid. Yeah, we're desensitized to it. Yeah, but that is that is like that is some hot garbage and no one should put up with it. Yeah. Uh, one final email. Teresa in Austin says, This season has been all over the place. After the swear episode, I was very disappointed, but this week's episode, Sing Me a Song, has rallied me somewhat. Yeah. I liked seeing more of the Savior's Compound and Carl's Eye Hole. I want to know what Jesus is up to, and I want. Uh, I was happy to see the demonstration of that Negan has. Negan's wives aren't really there of their own free will, like he proclaims they are. That said, I didn't need an entire episode of Tara, nor of Daryl in his cell, and can Spencer just die already? I'm telling you, this we're taking. We're talking. About this is a pretty good. This would be seen as a as a string of two good episodes if you took out that Tara cancer oh, in yeah, between yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Because they would have really flown, uh, flowed very nicely, right? One to the other, and they fucked up. They fucked up. They chose to. They yep. they storyboarded this shit out at the beginning of the season. They posted noted it, and they just decided to fuck it up. Yep. And she says, "Yesterday, I realized I haven't seen Carolyn Morgan since episode two, like yep. we talked about long time ago." Yes, it's a big cast, but damn, if we have to zoom in every week and slow the story down to a crawl. Last... If, if Game of Thrones did this, it would not oh. be the biggest show on television. Yeah, yeah. I, I read uh, an article this week about you know what what lessons they should learn from Game of Thrones, and that was the primary one. Like somehow Game of Thrones, with far more characters and far more locations, manages to. 
piece it all together in a way that keeps you engaged with every storyline simultaneously. And and it, it's never more than a couple episodes between seeing main characters. Ask, asking people to care about Tara is a big ask already. Yeah. But when you she's so far removed from the human drama of her girlfriend and her death and her going away and... Yeah, it's just an impossible ask, and uh, to the point though, you shouldn't even do it. She should just come back empty-handed from a supply run and be like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like they don't want to allow there to be minor characters in this show. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake. Like, the Sand Snakes are minor fucking characters. You don't need to check in with them every single week, and Maybe we don't at miss all. them. Maybe at all. <laughs> We're done with the bad pussy. I've I've kicked that. Right, habit. right. That done. was maybe a, maybe not the greatest of examples. But sure. But there are some minor characters floating about, and yes. they just need to check in when the main characters have important things to do, and yeah. they brush up against the minor Like, imagine characters. if they decided that fucking Davos needs an episode. Oh, God. I need, uh, we need one hour of just what fucking Davos has been doing this yeah. whole season, and we don't see him otherwise. And it's just him whittling the it's, whole it's, time. It's, insa- it's insanity, and there's some really yeah. good stuff there. Sure. In any given season of that. But you shove it on in a whole episode and it's like, oh, my God, there's a lot of filler. And, and then you don't see him for another season and a half because all of his storyline has been so crammed into a your, single yeah, episode. Who is this servicing? It's not – it's service – that's – that's that, uh, that to me, I feel like that's all – those scale of fuck-ups are all on the execs because it, it, it's, hmm. it's got to be them saying, hey, we got to cut costs. Why? I don't know because we got to be making money hand over fist. But like all the other shit, like you know, the fact that Jesus is hanging out on the top of a box truck – that's the writers, sure, and sure. It's, and it's also the directors and the people that are blocking out these scenes. Uh, you know, Carl just rock and rolling out of the RV and then not taking a shot at the box truck. That's the writers. They got fucking lazy and it got to be about two p.m. and they decided they're going to go out for Quiznos and came <laughs> back and like fuck it, he's just going to come out and do it and just not take the shot. That's just this is what it is, man. Yeah, that's lazy bullshit, but. The Terra episodes, I think you can blame on the AMC execs. I'm going to leave us with some positivity here. She says, if anything, your podcasts are great and bring me much satisfaction. Keep podcasting. I'll keep listening. All right. So that's one fan's, uh, one fan's desire. Are we going to give him one small? I'm trying to. I'm are we? Are we going to give him the? Uh, are we going to give him the uh, uh, Team America World Police? I promise I'll never die. <laughs> right. I promise this podcast will never die. <laughs> Even if The Walking Dead does, we'll we'll go back and do rewatch after rewatch. We'll do the comics. We'll start in. We'll on do the, the comics. comics. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then we'll which do which that will never end. Once that ends, we'll go back and redo a podcast of everything. Yeah, rewatch. Like uh, yeah, an after the fact, post fact, yeah. Well, 30 years from now, we will still be doing The Watching Dead. These are all promises. It's a solemn promise. <laughs> all right. I think it's time for us to leave. Uh, if you want to send in more feedback, you can do so at watchingdeadatbaldmove.com, or you can go to the forums, forums.baldmove.com, and interact with the community there. There's always lively discussion there mm-hmm. uh, when while the latest episode is happening and after. Uh, and we'll be back next week for the 90-minute season finale, yet another 90-minute episode. We'll see if anybody dies. We'll they, see who they, it is. Can they stick the landing? They can't stick the landing. Can they stumble? Can they one-hop the landing? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Can we'll see how... Can they Can they just land it with a broken ankle and not completely flop? And, you know, yeah, it's, sure. It's a valiant effort. It's, it's, yeah. Even the, East, even the East German judge has to say, that showed some real grit and determination against all odds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how good Negan looks with his makeover. 
I hear he's clean shaven next week. No, I that's what the room. I, I I saw a rumor that he's going to be clean shaven next week and much more classically Negan, and that's going to get the comic book huh. readers hard slash wet. Okay, uh, and I'm I'm kind of curious to see that too. All right, well you have that to look forward to next week, and until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.